Welcome to another inspiring message from Pastor John Cameron, Senior Pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will encourage, inspire and empower you. Alright, well turn with me this morning in your Bibles to the book of Romans. We're going to go to the book of Romans this morning and chapter 1. The book of Romans chapter 1. Uh, is where we're going to dive into our topic. If in Wellington we could have a little bit more house light, it would be absolutely brilliant. Romans chapter 1 and verse 25. A few years ago, Gillian and I built a house. And uh, because we're New Zealanders, we did all of the landscaping ourselves. I had a little bit of help, a lot of help actually, from Adrian and Caroline Manuel from our Carpety campus. Uh, a few other people came and volunteered and helped in various aspects as well. But, you know, it was a, a great experience for me to do all of the landscaping for my own house. And I'll be honest with you, we did it on a shoestring budget. If you've ever built a house, you put basically all the money that you've got into building the house that you want, and then you end up with a barren, you know, kind of barren wilderness around the house, suddenly realize that this is not acceptable because dirt is coming in every time the children go outside. And so we undertook this exercise of landscaping this property. So we got out there and, you know, we, we dug these garden beds and we didn't have much money, so we kind of got cheap fast-growing plants, spaced them around, you know, the perimeter of the house. Then we, you know, got a little bit of topsoil and we rolled out this ready lawn. When we rolled out the ready lawn, I don't know if you've ever done this, but it's the most gratifying experience you can ever have. You start a day with just dirt. You end a day with something that looks like the fairway of an exclusive golf course. I mean, it is just an amazing experience. You end up with this, you know, this beautiful kind of, you know, rolled out lawn and it looks so wonderful. And then of course, afterwards, I, I got busy and I neglected this lawn and I neglected these beautiful garden beds. And, you know, over the next period of time, of course, a bunch of the plants, you know, kind of began to look fairly lackluster. I didn't know a lot about how to maintain them. This beautiful ready lawn that's impossible for it to look any better began a gradual process of looking worse and patches of grass would die and sections looked a little dry. And, you know, I, I had this, 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 you know, worm. I'm not sure what its name is, but it lives beneath the surface and it eats the roots of the grass and it died. And in its place, the grass became replaced by weeds until what, what people called my lawn was really just a collection of weeds that had found connect points together. And so what people called lawn was really now just now an overgrown place where weeds were flourishing as far as the eye could see. And this beautiful lush soil without the right nurture became a place where weeds flourished and plants were like memorials of what used to exist there. And in the Bible, our hearts are described often in Scripture as soil. 
The parable of the sower is the most significant parable Jesus told. In fact, He said, if you cannot understand the parable of the sower, you won't understand anything else I'm telling to you. And in that parable, the soil in which the seeds are sown is described as the hearts of people. And what lives in our hearts, whether it be plants or weeds, gods or idols, is the topic of our series at the moment. In Exodus chapter 20, God gives to us the 10 commandments. And the first commandment says, you shall have no other gods before me. The second commandment is really an extension of the first. It kind of amplifies the first. And it says, and you shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything. And in the soil of our hearts, in what exists within the core of our lives, the central question is, do we have God living in our heart or do we have gods? Do we have plants or do we have weeds? What is taking the central place in the heart of our lives? What is our God? That's the topic that we're looking at in the moment. You know, when God created the world, this wonderful world in which we live, He created the world at the dawn of time, and then He set about preparing this world for you and I to arrive. And in so doing, God, like, like a wonderful host, will prepare their home with you know, beautiful and ornate and prepared things that will make that home a lovely place in which you can reside. So God, the creator of all things, created a wonderful world full of the most incredible things. I mean, He filled this world with plants, with creatures, with opportunities, with beauties, with aspirations, with ideals, with relationships. And the God of the universe created all of these things for our enjoyment. And then God created man. In man's heart, in our heart was God. And in the world, a wonderful uh, myriad of things for us to enjoy. God created man, in man's heart was God. God created things and the things He created were external to the man. But then the Bible tells us that God also gave to you and I free will. He gave us the ability to choose and humanity, mankind chose independence from God. And when we made that choice, God left the heart of man. When God is not welcome, He will leave. And so a void was created in the heart of the man. God was now external to the man and a void was created. And the things that God created, the things that had been external to the man, created by the Creator for His enjoyment, now found a place in the heart of the man. And the created things took the place of the Creator. They became central to the man. And so we read in Romans chapter one, verse 25, our text for this morning, where it says these incredible words. It says, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things 
rather than the Creator who is to be forever praised. Amen. They worshipped and served created things. They made new gods from what God had given them. As the second commandment tells us, they made for themselves idols in the form of anything. We took what God gave us that was to be external to us. We allowed it to have a place in us and by so doing, we made in our hearts and in our lives, gods and idols. The things we worship in our lives, the things that take God's place, these gods and idols that have been our topic for the last few weeks are never gonna be for us bad things. Anybody looking for an idol in the form of, you know, a, 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 a child crushing demonic figure that somehow everybody is gonna bow to is looking in entirely the wrong direction. In order for something in the universe to take the place of the one true God, in order for the creation to trump our worship of the Creator, then we need to have our eyes open to understand that's always going to be a good thing. It's always gonna be a beautiful thing, a desirable thing. In fact, in Luke chapter 14 and verse 15, the Bible talks about uh, the great banquet at the end of the age and God giving an invitation for you and I to draw close to Him. He says, come to me, worship me, uh, uh, bow to me, let me be God in your life. And the, the invitation goes out and the response comes from the first person who says, well, I've just bought a field, so I can't come. The second guy says, I've just bought oxen, and so I can't come. The third one says, and this is you know, really incredible, says, I've just got married, so I can't come. And basically, God is saying, when you allow your wealth, your profession, your career, or your marriage, or your relationships to be put before God, then this is when gods and idols take a place in our lives. These are not bad things. There's no way our lives are ever gonna be overtaken by evil satanic worship, maybe for a small minority of people in our world, but the reality is the most of us drift from having God central in our lives when good things replace the God of our lives. We make gods in our lives out of all kinds of things. We make gods out of money. I mean, the almighty dollar, it's such a common phrase, isn't it? You know, I'm talking about the money, the money, you know, we did a whole series last year entitled Cha-Ching, you know, about how money takes the place of our lives. The pursuit of youth and, you know, youthfulness is just such a massive God of our generation, the God of leisure and lifestyle, uh, the God. You can make a God out of your spouse. You literally can. You can deify your spouse. Uh, People go into marriage often with a, a deified spouse, expecting that person that they're going to marry to cure them of their sexual addictions, to replace the void of rejection that they've experienced all their lives and put such enormous pressure on a human being to do and to be in their lives what only God can do and only God can be in their life. You can can make a God out of your children and so place their future 
future, their wants, their needs up in your life, that man, you are just living for the happiness of your children. And I want you to know that, that children make a terrible God, a terrible God. Um, and the reason is probably not for the reasons that we necessarily laugh, although laughter's most welcome in this intense series. It is because, you know, if you deify your children, then their wants and demands will dictate your life. Their fears will overwhelm you. And children are not supposed to be the center of your life. They are supposed to be partners with you in your worship journey of the only God who is worthy of your worship and the only God worthy of your sacrifice and the only God worthy of your surrender is the one true God. You can make, you can make your home your God. You can make your culture your God. Um, and we allow these good things to take the central place in our lives, a place that is reserved only for God alone. And my friends, an idol, and just to recap, is anything more important to you than God? Anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God? Anything you seek to give you, what only God can give you. That's an idol. And our scripture puts it to us like this this morning. It says they worshiped and served created things. They worshiped and served created things. And often it's easiest to see or to identify what you worship by what you serve. Your God is what decides your life. Your God is what is at the top of your order of decisions. Your God is what you desire above all else. Your God is your greatest ideal. Your God is the number one passion of your thoughts. And when a good thing moves from something outside us to that thing in us, it has become a God to us. Our hearts are like soil. My lesson was that soil will never be barren. Soil will never remain without something in it. And in our lives, we will always have objects that we worship. I found through gardening that if my soil was not tended, if I didn't have plants, I had weeds. If I didn't have God, I will have God's. If I didn't intentionally put my life in the right direction, when God is not in His rightful place in our hearts, cultivated and growing to fill every space of our hearts, then other gods will take His place. Weeds sprout, affections grow, other desires get in, and we worship and serve created things rather than the Creator. So our last two weeks of this series has been about idols and about how we can bring them back to God and this call for us to surrender and Abraham's enormous challenge given to him by God. Give to me, Abraham, this son, this idol, this central desire of your life. And we've dived into a bunch of them. And I know for me in preparing this series, and I hope for everyone in hearing this series, there's been some real ouch moments. Can I get an honest wave from a few real Christians in the room? 
But I want to talk to you this morning about, I guess, an extension. We've got to close this thing in the right direction. And I want to talk to you this morning about how we can walk free from the snare of idols. I mean, if idols are so prevalent, if it's so easy to fall into their trap, if life can be taken from being one of pure devotion to the Creator and our hearts can be so easily ensnared with worship of created things, then how, how do we break the cycle? How do we walk free from idolatry in our lives? And my friends, the answer is so profoundly simple, you'll almost wanna get your 90 minutes this morning back. The answer is we must stop worshiping created things and we must start worshiping the Creator. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the Creator. So if we wanna free our hearts from gods and idols, we must stop worshiping. Anybody want their money back? Anybody want their time back? We must stop worshiping created things and we must start worshiping the Creator. We must make the God of the universe the God of our hearts. We must make Jesus the one who decides our lives. Place Jesus at the top of the order of our decisions. We must make Jesus what we desire above every other desire. We must make knowing God our greatest ideal. You can free your heart from idols simply by saying, I wanna know Jesus more than I want money. I wanna know Jesus more than I want anybody to care about me. I want to know Jesus more than I want to be married. I wanna know Jesus more than I want my child to grow up with optimal experiences. I want to know Jesus more than anything else in this planet. Our God is our God. God is our God. When nothing is more important than Him, when nothing absorbs our heart and imagination more than Him, when we seek Him to give us what only He can give, when the only one true God is our God, that's how we cure our hearts from gods and idols. Turn with me this morning to the book of Colossians chapter three. Book of Colossians chapter three. And it begins in Colossians in verse one by saying, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above and not on earthly things or created things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, 
appears. Then you will appear with Him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, whether it be sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. See, I love this passage because it's talking about the created things and the Creator. It ends, it ends by saying, put to death idolatry. But it starts with a strategy for the how. It says, set your heart, make this object, make this central passion of your life, not the things of this world, but God alone. Set your mind on things above and not on earthly things. Christ is your life. Jesus is the only one. He is the central desire, the only one who can meet what you need. And in the simplicity of our salvation is in the simplicity of our victory. All we need to do to have a life that is free from the snare of gods and idols is to make God our God, to set our heart on Him, to set our mind on Him. See, the reality is about idolatry that idolatry is not simply disobeying God. Idolatry is making something other than God central to your life. So the only way that you get freedom from idolatry is when Jesus becomes more precious than the thing that has taken His place. The cure for our idolatry is to make Jesus more beautiful in your imagination, to make Jesus more attractive in your heart than any idol can ever be. We must set our hearts and set our minds on things above. To put it simply, we must love the Creator more than His creation. When we love the Creator more than His creation, our hearts are free. When we love the Creator more than His creation, we're walking a journey towards the life that God has got for us. You know, in the soil of our hearts, you will have plants. And in every heart, you will have a God. And you can't be free from weeds. You can't be free from idols unless the love of God is greater than our other loves. And so the way we break the snare of idolatry in our lives is simple. We fall in love with Jesus. You can't be free from idolatry if you don't desire Him, trust Him, love Him, surrender to Him. If we are not in love, with Him, then idolatry can always have a place. Um, you know, that, that garden I talked to you about, and I, I almost don't want Adrian and Caroline to hear this message this morning because they, they, they put so much effort into it, but that garden looked amazing on the day that we finished it. When every garden bed was done and, you know, when the ready lawn was rolled out. And I think in some ways that picture, that day, that's the day that you find Jesus, Right? 
I mean, because the day that you find Jesus, really, I'm not talking about just, you know, some, some trite prayer you offered. I'm talking about the day you really discover Jesus and bow your knee to Him. It honestly is like a ready lawn experience. Would anybody say that with me? But then if my garden, my garden wasn't tended to, it wasn't looked after, it wasn't deliberately nurtured. And so there came a point when I would look out the window and honestly, I didn't wanna look outside my house. Now, now, if you come to my house, people love my garden. I mean, late March for any gardener in the church, you'd know that it's a pretty tough time to come and analyze a garden. But if you're experienced, even if you were to rock up to my house this afternoon, you would see the camellias are in bud. You would see that, you know, uh, uh, other things are looking really good that I can't remember the name of right now. You know, but there's, there's a whole lot of things that are about, about to break out into that, you know, April through June, wonderful time. My garden is amazing. It's incredible. I mean, it's so, it really is a special place. But do you know what the key is to the wonderful garden that people, when people come to my home, they walk into my home and then they walk out onto my deck and then they spend about 10 minutes, everybody does it, just walking around my garden. It's like, it's like a show garden, it's absolutely fantastic. And I love that, but do you know what the key is? There is not one square inch of space in my garden. I have trees that reach up high, I have shrubs that take up the lower. Then I have bushes that take up a lower place. Then I have grasses that take up the most minute of spaces. There's no gaps. There's no space for weeds to grow. And my friends, this is the simple key for our freedom from gods and idols. We deliberately cultivate our love for God until it fills every square inch of our hearts. We, we go to work on the soil of our hearts and we allow Jesus to become everything that we want. We allow Him to fill every part, every nook, every cranny, every want, every desire of the central place of our hearts becomes Jesus. That's how you change your life. I mean, man, when I looked outside my house and I saw all the weeds and I saw the rot and I saw all of this just horrible lawn, it got to a point where I realized enough is enough. We're gonna change this. So I hired the two Barrett brothers. One's in our Christchurch campus this morning, one here in Wellington, because you ain't nothing without a Barrett brother. We wrote, a, we wrote a song over nine hours of landscaping that day that simply says, you ain't nothing without a Barrett brother. I mean, you know, you need one more than a mother. I mean, it's just, I wrote this whole song uh, over nine hours of hard landscaping, but we took, we took spades and we took 
30 mil, three centimeters off the top of the entire garden, which my, my back lawn is about the same size as this stage. It's 24 meters long, and I can't remember how wide it is. I think it's about 10 meters wide. So we got out there with spades. We filled, we filled trailer loads all the way up. Don't tell Nathan Flett how much weight we put in his trailer, but we, we filled the thing up. Then we got, we got topsoil, 50 mil of topsoil because it settles, and we put that over, and then we seeded it by hand. Then I rang up this place and I found out this grass seed and I bought it, I bought a big bag of it. And we, we fertilized the grass seed with this amazing fertilizer that made it grow. Two weeks later, everything was in bloom. I mean, then, then we came back out and we watered it every day. Then we, then we nurtured it, you know, and we cared for it. And still now, I mean, I'm out there, I've got, I've got timers on with sprinklers, not during the bands, you know, but every, every time else. And every three months I get out there with the fertilizer and I fertilize it again. And still with all of that work, still the occasional weeds come out. And I get out there and I dig out the weeds and, and I deal with that. But you know what? By deliberate planting, feeding, and nurturing the plants, the garden is kept free from weeds. And you know what? If we want our lives to be free from idols, let me tell you how you do it. It's two stages. Number one, sometimes you gotta pull out the weeds. And really, the last two weeks of this has been saying, would you pull out the weeds? Some of them maybe in our hearts have grown into trees, right? I don't know if anybody will be honest and say, yeah, that's possibly true of me, but you know, would you, would you surrender every want, every dream, every desire to God? Would you, would you put Him back in His rightful place? Would you say, you are God and I have no other idols before you? And really, you pull out weeds when weeds are identified. The seeds of weeds are beneath the surface and hopefully in a series like this one, someone's saying, man, I let money become my God. I let fame become my God. I, I let, I'm angry with God because I'm still single. And then you realized that's because being married is an idol. And I must stop God from not delivering what I put before Him. That's phase number one. But once you cleared your garden, then plants must be planted and no space left. If we're gonna live this life free from idols, then we have to, we have to cultivate our love for God. We have to sow seeds that will grow of devotion to God. We have deliberately go on a journey to say, Jesus, you are going to be the central pursuit of my life. I'm gonna worship you. I'm gonna love you. I'm gonna place you first. You know, when, I, when I'm out there and I'm scattering that fertilizer, that's like coming to church on a Sunday. It's like saying, I'm just, I'm just putting myself in the right environments for that garden to flourish. When I say, man, I'm gonna invest into some uncountable Christian relationships, I'm gonna make sure my friends are not just full of weeds, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna look for friends that are on fire for Jesus. That's the ch -ch 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 
of that sprinkler hose going over the soil of my heart. When I say I'm gonna place myself in the right environments, when I'm gonna choose the right music, the right songs, man, that is me fertilizing, seeding, nurturing this central love for God. The, the devil doesn't want you falling in love with Jesus. He's gonna throw everything at you to dim that fire, to quench that passion. And you know what? Spiritual disciplines are the key to keeping God at the center of your life. Come on, can I get a louder amen this morning? I, I wake up, I'm one of those annoying uh, morning people and, and I woke up, wake up most days between 5.30 and 6 a.m. And the first thing that I do when I wake up is I come downstairs, I, I make myself a cup of coffee so that I can be a Christian. Um, and then I sit in my chair. I have a special chair, it's a very special chair. I sit in my chair, I grab this book, I have a little journal. I try not to let anything electronic be on or near me. Or if it is, put it on flight mode. Can I just digress for a second and say about this sermon? I wonder how many people have checked Instagram, Twitter. I wonder how many, I wonder how many text messages have gone across people listening to this sermon. I hope you understand that the devil just, just wants your mind. That just because a stimulus comes your way, you shouldn't respond to it. That's how you lose the fruits of the Spirit in your life, right? If you're gonna be in church, be in church. Be all here. But in that morning season, you know, I, I read this book. I let it become first in my life. Do you know why I'm doing that? It's because I don't want idols to take his place. I want, it's not about, it's not about discipline. It's about devotion. It's not, it's not about duty. It's about cultivating a garden. It's about letting Jesus become the center of our lives. We sang a song here in Wellington that we're gonna be rolling out to all of our campuses over the next period of time, and it's called Unwavering Pursuit. And the first time I ever heard it uh, was at my house about 6.30 at night. Uh, I just saw that this email had come through, and so I downloaded the MP3, and I pressed play, and a piano, and the beautiful voice of Sahanya Joseph, not Sahanya Joseph, Sahanya Green, her married name, began to fill our lounge room, our family room, and so I put the kids to bed, and I came back down stairs and when the house was quiet I took that song and I linked it to our stereo and for 45 minutes I sat in my lounge room without anything else and I listened to a song that just says and all I want is Jesus Jesus give all my heart to you and here I am Surrendered in unwavering pursuit of you. And all I want. I used to be a good singer once upon a time. <laughs> it's not so, 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 I stay quiet for too long. Yeah, you're so kind. I'm fertilizing a garden. Every year I attend at least one conference that I'm not speaking at. 
And when I go, I have rules. I take a notebook. I put my phone underneath my seat. I worship. I don't observe the stage set. I'm not looking to learn dynamics because I am a professional Christian. (laughs) I go to that conference with a new notebook, with a phone under the seat, to cultivate a garden, to be in love with Jesus. You know, a great garden brings great delight. And that's the thing. That's the thing. The reason why we look at our lives and feel that sense of futility and joy is so absent sometimes, and other things, the lack of them is so consuming us. And we think that if we had a new car, if we had a, a new wife, if we had, if we had, you know, if we had, if we had a new husband, I'm sure there's a lot of ladies out there going, hello, talk to real truth. You know, if we, if we had more money, you know, if we, if we had what the guy down the road had, that more happiness will be found in our hearts. We're looking to idols to fill what God can fill. When love for God is at the center of your life, when you know Jesus in a personal way, when a garden of love for Jesus is well cultivated, then a life, you know, the Apostle Paul said, I have found the secret of being content, whether I've got everything or nothing, whether I'm having a great day or a terrible day. My joy is not dependent on material circumstances. My peace in life doesn't come from having enough money to pay my bills. I've got Jesus, He is number one, and my life is flourishing because the garden of my heart has been given to the one true God. Come on, if you believe that in every campus, give the Lord some praise this morning. He is the one true God and no God can take His place. If you believe that, shout amen. Amen. You know, one of my favorite, favorite heroes in church history is the founder of the Salvation Army. His name was William Booth. And I love the Salvation Army. I love William Booth on so many levels. I love him that he failed so many times before the Salvation Army was successful. I love it that he never quit. I love it that he broke the mold, that when he started taking pub songs and putting brass band, used the brass band to put Christian lyrics to them, that he was defying every religious mold in his generation. I love him because in five years, he led 210,000 people to the Lord without a microphone, without a PA system. When he died in the year 1912, the assets of the Salvation Army, and he started with nothing, was something like 12 million pounds because he freed people from child slavery, (laughs) eradicated so many problems in society still today runs the largest aid for people breaking the power of addictions in their lives. And at the end of his life, William Booth was interviewed by a reporter who kind of asked him a question and then took him on a journey. He said, William Booth, how have you achieved in one lifetime what you have achieved? And then he went on and he described and outlined child slavery, woman free from prostitution, 
breaking the power of addiction. So many people led to Christ. One thing after another, nations. Began to list off nations. And William Booth, the reporter wrote later, just said, just sat there. And as the list grew longer, tears flooded down his face. The question, how have you achieved so much in one lifetime? And William Booth, when everything was done, when the man had finished speaking, tears on his face, he just said, I don't know. But I would have to say that Jesus has always had all of me. And that, that's our song. Jesus at the center of it all. It's not just a song that we sing. It's a freedom from every vice, from every God, from every cruel and unusual thing that will seek to occupy our hearts when we bring our devotion back to Him. I'm gonna pray, and at the end of this prayer, I would love every campus just to be released, and I'd love you just to sing wherever you are your own song of worship. Those online can stay with us here in Wellington. But I wanna pray this morning. Could you stand to your feet in every campus right now? Just right where you are, lift up your hands towards God. Jesus. We tear down idols, Lord. But this morning we take it a step further. This morning we're planting our garden. Fill every space of our heart with love for you. Every remote region, every, every, every nook and cranny. Father, I pray that you would just help us to live our lives more in love with you. I pray this today in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church and John Cameron, go to arise.org.nz or follow them on Twitter at John Cameron NZ and at Arise Church.